to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. So good to have you with us today, Adam. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah, great to be here. It's going to be a fun chat. Yes. So I'm so looking forward to have a discussion today about uh, lead gen versus demand gen, which is a very interesting topic. And you're expert in it and have uh, worked a lot with it at GetAccept. But you have also done other stuff. So maybe before we dive into it, uh, can you just give us a little bit of background who you are and what are you doing? Yeah, so I've been working in, in SaaS, especially for, for a while now at a couple of different companies. Um, started more in the analytics part of marketing, I would say, and now have gradually moved into more, more demand gen, as we're going to talk about today. And it has really, it has really become a passion of mine. Uh, so I lead the demand generation efforts at GetAccept. Um, GetAccept is a, is a Malmö-based company in Sweden, for those of you who don't know, also scale up. Um, so it's very, yeah, it's very high pace uh, and very fun to try these kind of efforts. Um, but I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn. I usually create a lot of content around Demandian. I've created a community and a podcast around it as well. So it's, yeah, it is a passion both at work, I would say, but also, but it has also become a passion outside of work, which I, I really feel is like the best of both worlds. Uh, yeah. I love that. Uh, I love when you work with your interest and, and your passion. Exactly. And uh, I can... I can agree. So that is fantastic. And you have uh, a lot of ideas and, and uh, insights around demand gen and demand generation as a, as a discipline. So maybe if there's somebody who haven't come across that term and mostly relate to maybe a lead gen or prospecting or things like that, maybe you can define yeah. a little bit about what is demand gen and how do you see that? Yeah, exactly. I think it's pretty easily. And I think we all come from that, to be honest. Like when we started trying to prove marketing as a as an organization, we started doing that by by setting some kind of lead metric, or we can call it MQLs or or whatever it is. But that was the the main metric for the marketing department, and to increase that going forward. Uh, and I think that and that is what we usually call lead gen, trying to increase our MQLs, our leads as much as possible through various tactics. Um, and and that probably worked quite well for for some time, but we then, you know, a lot of companies have seen that a lot of those MQLs or a lot of those leads coming in might not be the right ones. They might not be leading to revenue. So now the shift towards a more, more demandian, as we call it, is more looking at revenue as, as more than Northern Star. So how can we drive the right leads that actually turn into revenue, more or less? So going from maybe more of a uh, quantity uh, thinking to more of a quality uh, thinking and that actually I, I think most marketers recognize this you know obsession with leads and obsession with mqls we all have worked at companies where where we get people screaming at us when we don't hit the leads goals so and so on um and usually it doesn't really matter uh, if it's not quality leads so to say and um, so i think that that's the big shift going from quantity to quality that's interesting and uh so the MQL is maybe dead now. 
Uh, is that yeah, maybe, or, or at least the like definition of it. We we still use use uh, MQL as a measurement that get accept for sure, um, but maybe more as an early indicator that something is uh, something is working. Um, and I think when I I, I joined here at Get Accept uh, almost two years ago now, uh, and I think we uh, we were revenue centric in one way. We looked at how much revenue marketing was bringing in and so on, but we were still pretty heavy on you know, trying to bring in, you know, high volumes of leads because we we thought that would bring more revenue. Uh, and sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. So that was when we kind of started this work. So how can we transition our model a bit to be more revenue centric and like prove marketing's position here? Um, like, you know, often we people talk about marketing as a cost center maybe, and we want to be more of a, you know, we want to be a revenue driver, of course. Mm. And how can yeah. we then do that? Yeah. And what kind of implications did that get when you started doing that transition where you came in? Have you seen this bigger involvement from the rest of the company, more budget from the CEO, or have you yeah. seen any results from it? Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think the first immediate result is that we talk the same language as sales, right? If we also talk pipeline, if we also talk, you know, deals, meetings, booked, it everything connects so much more and, and it kind of aligns on, on its own. So if we talk, look at this month and say, okay, we from marketing have generated this pipeline. Um, that is actually something you can, you know, grasp. And sales can grasp that. Okay, how much of that are we then supposed to, do we believe will close, as an example? Uh, that is for sure the immediate effect we saw um, from doing that. Uh, but I, I, I still think that the hard thing with this was like going from like a volume strategy as MQLs to maybe focusing more on quality. So how can we, you know, the MQLs will go down, the leads will go down, but how can we prove that that is not bad for us? Um, so that was kind of where I started. Uh, and I just want to be very practical here because I think this is something everyone one can do more or less. Um, you know, we have a regular marketing funnel where we look at MQLs, we have deals, uh, which is meetings booked then, and we have maybe uh, customer, if that is the three steps. We could even have visitor as an example. But what we decided to do was to split that funnel into a couple of different uh, you know, types. One type was what we called the high intent funnel. That was people who had actually asked for a demo or asked to talk to sales. And then we split it up into some of the rest that were more, someone wanted to try a free trial, those types of, someone wanted a white paper, whatever. And when we looked into those funnels, we saw such a huge difference. Like uh, there was so much less volume coming into our high intent funnel, but so much of our ARR was coming from there and vice versa in the other funnel. So much volume, so little came out. So we're paying so much to get these low intent MQLs coming in, but we're not getting anything out. So that was kind of the starting point, I think, for us. Oh, okay. This is maybe not an effective marketing strategy. Um, yeah, and that's very interesting that you actually created a parallel funnel where yeah. you were very intentionally uh, on what companies to to target and so forth. I think uh, I think we all agree on the problem where we have a lot of uh, you know low level or or low qualified MQLs, and it's yeah. really hard to to move them down the funnel to SQLs and I can many times see working with clients that it's actually other companies coming in at the SQL stage that where sales or other, um, you know, other activities might have driven them from 
more or less other uh, activities than the MQL drivers. And yeah. I think there is a, a, a missync or a miscommunication sometimes there where we where we actually just have them stuck in the funnel somewhere in the middle. So uh, exactly. very interesting. So if if I'm running a process like that, what's your uh, what's your uh, recommendations? How should I go about? Should I uh, just create a new funnel, or where did you start? You know, what was your steps to success? Yeah, we, we started with it was basically a new year, so we started planning and looking at okay, what do we need to do different this year? And we started with doing that, splitting into parallel funnels based on last year's data. So okay, and then we then we immediately saw okay, if we want to drive more ARR obviously we need to drive more high intent buyers and try to really limit the amount of low intent buyers that we are actually now paying for. Well, we're maybe not paying for all of them, but at least for a big portion of it. Um, so what we then after that tried to identify was where currently are we driving most of our high intent users and where we're driving most of our you know, low intent users. And one thing that we saw, and I think this is also true for many companies, is that we were really heavy on paid search, so Google Ads. Um, and that can maybe work for a lot of companies, but it's also perhaps the easiest channels to, to, to lose money in as well. Um, so we were really heavy in Google Ads and maybe not as heavy in more brand awareness channels. Uh, we did quite a lot of events, but but not so much social not so much uh that types of of strategies and that was something we we saw uh, quite quickly that a lot of the like the low intent leads or the leads that weren't a fit for us was driven through paid search or similar um and then we we completely evaluated that um and one of the clear changes that we did was to okay we want to invest more in especially linkedin ads because we there it's it's an expensive channel but we can make sure that our icp is targeted we can make sure that the right people see us and then limit a little bit what we do on google ads because it's um yeah it's sometimes a, a tricky channel to get right and often what you see if i just deep dive into google ads a little bit you often see that most of the arr coming out is actually from people people searching from your brand and then it's like okay where did they hear about you in the first place? Yeah, it's probably some other channel or so events or whatever. Uh, so that was one of the biggest changes we have done in the last two years, I would say, is to shift from a very search-heavy strategy, trying to capture the demand that we, we thought was there, to maybe more of a social strategy where we really want to create our brand, make a name for ourselves. Uh, yeah, and, and that we have seen really good results from. Um, yeah. Fantastic. So interesting. And um, and when you work with this and start building this and, and doing these changes, what main metrics have you looked into if you're you know trying to look away from traffic yeah. and MQLs and, and rather try to find the quality? Yeah. Um, how how did you go about? No, I think we 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 uh, we started with you uh, started with like high intent MQLs. That was our first northern star that we wanted to look at. Okay, and we we usually set like a weekly goal. So weekly we want to drive this many high intent go MQLs because they usually turn into this many meetings and and this type of revenue. So that was the first thing we started uh, obsessing over in the beginning. And I think that's also important. Like when you start something like this, maybe it's enough to choose one or two metrics. That's that you focus on. Um, and now we have kind of shifted 
to what you said now, uh, like an SQO, as we call it, like, okay, they have booked, booked a meeting and then we have also qualified it from a sales level. So it's that um, another quality aspect, so to say, it's actually a good opportunity for us. High Intent MQL only says that they are, they are interested in us, but then the next step, we are also interested in them. So that we have developed more, more recently, I would say. Uh, and then, of course, looking at the pipeline uh, from that and then the revenue. But the revenue is often depends on how long of a sales cycle you have, of course. But it's often a more lagging metric in that way. But I really think the SQO part that we we obsess a, a lot more on now, that is really interesting because that's, that gives a lot of qualitative feedback from sales also. Are we getting the light, right companies through the door? Uh, yeah. That's great. And how do you define it? And high intent uh, uh, MPL. Yeah. That is for us. That is someone who have uh, two different sources. So either someone who have asked uh, for a demo, like a demo of our product, or someone that that have asked to to be in contact with sales, like a contact form or talk to sales or so on. So they have actually said that they want to look on our uh, solution and want to know more in that sense. Um, okay. And then we have other sources, of course, as well. We have a freemium version where they can actually use our product. That is more for us, the low intent side. And um, it still happens, but it's not something that we focus on. Uh, because we see, what is, it was the same thing when we did these funnels. We saw like the, the conversion rate from, you know, a high intent MQL into a meeting was almost you know a hundred percent compared to the low intent one where we have more the freemiums that is more like you know the 10 percent. so it's it's such a big difference in wow. how many mqls we would then need to get a, a meet an actual meeting yeah uh, yeah interesting that's interesting because uh, yeah i mean uh, there's a lot of companies pushing the freemium model really hard and, and try to you know leverage that but that's not what yeah. brought you your success at the same no so and, and i think that's for some companies that's probably very successful especially if i think sometimes it's very needed to have a product that you can quickly understand and that i think our product hasn't really been exactly that it has mm -hmm. you know demanded some kind of uh, sales hand holding yeah mm -hmm. uh, yeah yeah, that's great. And I suppose when you have those high intent MQLs, how do you move them to the next day? Do you have an SDR team following up on them over phone or an email, or is it more a nurture flow? Or how, how do you, you know, develop? Yeah, that? yeah, we have a pretty big SDR team here at Get Accept. I think we're around ten people that usually mm -hmm. follows up with a discovery call. Now we are actually evaluating. We are using a a calendar tool as well called Chili Piper, where people can actually set their own time and then they set their own time directly with our AEs, so to say. So we're testing both a little bit, but in general, we use uh, SDRs to make the initial discovery call. Uh, but then we're also testing this more, allowing people to actually set their own time with our AEs. Um, more to evaluate if it's like, do we need this extra step because it gives us uh, more quality metrics or is it fine to actually uh, have a meeting with them right away? Um, so that is still a bit inconclusive, but uh, we're yeah looking forward to get some results from that. Fantastic, interesting, and uh, sounds very very uh, successful as uh, as you move along there. Yeah, and 
talking a little bit about the process there and the tech stack. <laughs> now you're representing a, a company, GetExcept, who actually could be a part of a of a sales tech stack. But yeah, yeah. How do you... <laughs> so so maybe you can just uh, you know give us the tech stack a little bit for your demand gen uh, yeah. uh, efforts and and so. And I'm actually usually I would say I'm not that heavy into tools. Um, we use we use HubSpot as a CRM uh, as an example, and I would say like HubSpot is our our main marketing tool for really yeah almost everything. And then we have you know Google Analytics, we have some other stuff as well. But but HubSpot is really where we're trying to have that be our holy grail. So that is where we have the truth or as much truth as, as we can get. Um, but it's also where we do our marketing automation, where we have our website, where we have our, you know, push our ads from. So it's a, uh, HubSpot is truly our our big marketing uh, tool, to be honest. Uh, I think that's, I think that's also a very demand thing. I, I, you know, I don't think you need that many tools to be successful in marketing. I, I think it's always good to prove something first, and then you might invest in some expensive tool for something. But I think it's it's sometimes very common to invest in something because you want to do something, and then it doesn't really work out. Uh, that is my feeling. Interesting. Do you, for example, use intent data providers? Yeah, we, we use... Uh, as an example, we use uh, G2 intent data, um, especially in advertising on LinkedIn, we use that. So we make sure that we, we target people who have visited us on G2 as an example, um, uh, because it's a big review platform for us and for other IT tech uh, you know, companies, of course, but not much else, to be honest. I know there are a lot of intent data out there, like people searching for this and that, but that is not something we have evaluated that much yet, to be honest, um, but yeah. Mm, wonderful and um so uh if if a marketeer listening into this uh and would like to maybe feeling that they're a little bit heavy on the google ad side and the, and the top of the funnel and yeah. would like to to draw up a map of where you know doing this transition to revenue-based marketing and demand gen strategy um where should they start and what are the key stepping stones as you see it here? Yeah, one, one key stepping stone, of course, is doing that, as I said first, like do a pipeline differentiation, just, just to see that it is actually a difference in how people come in and what kind of leads coming in. Um, but I think there are other ways also. It's very common to for companies now to add some sort of free text field to your forms. So you ask people how you how they found you and so on. Um, just to get that quality aspect, because, because that's usually a, an issue in marketing attribution. Like usually we see that we have a lot of inbound MQLs and deals coming from direct. They're coming from paid search, organic search maybe. But when we actually ask people, people say, okay, we heard about you from our network or we saw you on LinkedIn or we, I used to work with you before. So it's like a, a lot of channels that doesn't get picked up in the in the attribution software. So that was also a big learning for us when we when we added that. We saw that we have a huge word of mouth that cannot be attributed to paid search or, uh, but we also saw that we had a lot from LinkedIn as an example, um, which is hard to maybe directly attribute because they they might see ten ads during a month's time. But then when they convert, it might be somewhere completely opposite. Maybe they Google for us and then, we have no idea. Uh, so I think that was a big realization to actually ask people 
So how they actually heard about us and maybe not what they, what HubSpot said to us. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And Wonderful. from that, then take certain action that's needed for us. That was example. We saw LinkedIn as a huge driver. We saw G2 as a huge driver as an example. So those have become two really key channels for us. Mm. That's interesting. Those uh, comparison uh, services like G2 and uh, Captera and those. Yeah. Uh, is that something you, you have quite high uh, usage of them? Yeah, for sure. Especially, especially, especially G2 for us have been mm. uh, very important. That's something we have, yeah, spent a lot of resources on because we believe it's it's also maybe a better way some sometimes to show credibility and trust instead of the regular you know customer case. Sometimes it's easier just to let people write their own reviews, and that is perhaps more trustworthy sometimes. Um, uh, so yeah, it has been a big, big priority for us. Hmm. Um, yeah. So interesting. So just a question there uh, around how to manage uh, uh, parallel funnels. I had an interview a few weeks ago with somebody who said that, you know, the funnel is not really linear. It's more like <laughs> a, a playground where where yeah. prospects jump around and nobody follows the same path and so forth. And you have several paths here or funnels there. How do you, how do you keep track of everything? Do, do you have dashboards yeah. and measurements for all the different funnels or what's the key uh, yeah. things to, to keep in mind? No, and I, I think that is very true. Like the buying journey, of course, not is not linear, but I think to make sense of it, we need to make it a bit linear. Mm. And that is what I'm, you know, try to do with that is to at least let's understand the broad picture and then we can kind of work from there. Um, but yeah, so so definitely have dashboards for those types of uh, funnels. So one that is more the high intent one, one that, you know, is more the low intent one, mm. just to see the conversion rates between the stages, um, to be honest. But no, I would say like, to, to have a clear overview of the customer journey is, is pretty impossible these days. Uh, especially as you grow as a company, you actually have quite a big machinery of, of inbound coming in, then it's very tricky to, to make sense of it all. And that's why I think you need like, you need to find indicators and like, uh, and then trust it. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's, you're not going to be able to measure everything, but you can have some indications and then I also am a huge believer in my gut feeling. So uh, some indications from data, and then if it feels good, then let's try it. That is also my, uh, yeah, my general That's feeling. That's very interesting. So we're, we're in the beginning of a new year, 2023. Uh, yeah. Where are you going to put most of your budget this year? Do you see any tactics, any trends, anything that will drive yeah. uh, result in your funnels? Now, yeah, and this is a very special year, right? The, in the end of last year, we had a lot of changes in the macro environment, and now we want to be more cost efficient when we grow. Uh, so we really want to make sure we get return on investment on the dollars that we, we put out. So targeting will be a big thing for us. I think intent data, as you mentioned as well, like making sure that most of the people we target are are right in that sense then maybe everyone won't be ready to buy but we want to have certain parameters to know that it's the right companies it's the right profile and so on so a lot of these kind of abm if you call it initiatives we will definitely uh, do um like have 
you know, define uh, certain accounts that these are really the ones we would like to target this year and then perform a lot of different activities towards them. Um, uh, that that will be our definitely big bet this year because we are not going to spend as much as we have done in the past because it's just not going to be efficient. We will still in paid search, as I said before, we will still be there, but not invest as heavily. Uh, social will continue to be a big thing for us. LinkedIn ads, we will try to, you know, stand out even more in the market because I think more, more and more companies are going to, you know, revert to other tactics because they need to show short-term ROI. Um, so I think, I think it's a great opportunity to, to be on LinkedIn and to be on Facebook ads. Um, yeah. So yeah, many different things, but I think targeting is the, the number one for us, like making sure that we target the right people, even though it might be more expensive, we, we want to make sure that we, we get seen by the right people. Interesting. And what's your content strategy going to be? Uh, there's you know a lot of different uh, ideas around what will convert and what will not. Should it be gated? Should it be not? And so forth. Yeah. How do you see content as a part of your funnel? Yeah, it's very much the base of our distribution channel, to be honest, uh, and gated content. I think we we stopped doing that right when I joined the company, as a, just before, I think. So it was quite nice, actually. And from that, we have seen, um, you know, a lot more people consume our content, which is good. And that is what we want. Um, before, we had a lot of leads coming in from content as well. But as I said before, they didn't really turn into revenue either. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I would say that content is very much the base of it. We have our own podcast that get accepted as an example. And from that, we also create a lot of content that we can then use on social, we can use it in emails. So we try to do things that work in several different channels. Um, that is also the efficiency mindset now, right? Like we want to put our effort into things that actually scale on other things. Um, so we're working a lot on our website now and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's a good tip also now when when maybe the, fish, the the marketing economy is as it is, maybe to focus a bit on the base as well, making sure that your website is on par, like your, your conversion rates are as good as they could be and those types of things. That's great. And if you don't convert on, on uh, the content and, and the events anymore, where do you see the most important conversion points taking them from, you know, uh, uh, a visitor, a website visitor, or somebody uh, interacting with your search results to actually sign up for a demo or, or uh, do a hand race, so to say. What yeah. tactics do you think 2023 will be the most important conversion points? No, I, I still think that the most important uh, conversion point is Google for us. Like, But when people search for us, when people search for Get Accepted, by far our biggest conversion point. Uh, and then the question for us then becomes, okay, so how do we get them there? Um, and that is what we need to figure out. And that is, of course, uh, why we want to work a lot more with social, try and also um, understand what types of ads, what types of messaging are actually driving these, uh, these demos. And we look at, as an example, we look at view conversion. So how many people have viewed this ad and then converted to a demo in another uh, channel like Google as an example, because that tells us that, okay, this ad obviously had an effect, um, but maybe they weren't ready to click and then demo, but, you know, later on. So that is something we're looking at a lot, trying to see how much social influence um, demos. And uh, that is a lot. Yeah, we believe in that a lot. Fantastic. Fantastic.
Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. So interesting to hear all this uh, and uh, how well you have got this to work for uh, Get Accept. And uh, I know you, as you mentioned, you have uh, your own podcast and you're active on LinkedIn. So for listeners who want to check out your content, uh, Adam, where where should we send them? Yeah, I think the easiest uh, is to always check me out on LinkedIn, Adam Holmgren. Uh, and then I also have a community and podcast called, called Driving Demand. Uh, but I think LinkedIn is always the easiest. I usually respond as quickly as possible. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'm uh, very impressed of everything you have got to work so well for Get Accept. So I'll, uh, I'll look forward to see more from, from you and your content in the future. And thank you so much for taking time. To yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.